You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We're going to jump in this morning to a new, a new series, but it's in the same uh, vein that we have been uh, working all year. We're, we're taking 2020 to talk about uh, the book of Mark, to kind of walk through that. And we've already accomplished uh, all the way to chapter 8, and then now we're going to jump ahead to chapter 13. Some of you may, may, may be saying, well, what is that about? Well, we believe God's Word is always timely, right? The truth of God's Word, week in and week out. But we realize that we are living in really crazy times. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You, you put, I mean, where there are trials and tribulations, the coronavirus, the election season is ramped up. Uh, there's racial tension still uh, across the nation, and there's just uncertainty all over. In fact, so much so that there have been people that have been asking, and maybe you've asked this, is this the end? Is this the end of the age? Is this the, the end? And, and so our series is going to answer that question. So we're going to jump ahead, and we're, it's really the Lord's prompting for this season, and we'll go back and we'll hit some of the things we missed. But ultimately, we are going to talk about the end times over the next several weeks. And when we do that, our strategy is to reach one more. And we'll see how that all plays out as we kind of lay out the, an introductory message today. But I promise you, every single week, there's going to be something for you. You're going to walk away. And I just also want to remind, remember that in the overflow and at home and even here, we are doing family services. So your kids are with you. And I get that. And I just want to challenge you, parents, uh, to be talking about these things. It's going to give you lots and lots of things to, to uh, share and to, to explore. And uh, what we want to do is we want to set the atmosphere that there is hope, and there's hope in the end days, and hope is the enemy's main target. If the enemy could steal your hope or steal your peace, he's going to win. I have my notes here that helplessness is like hell on earth, right? And if God, if, if, if you get to a place where you're feeling helpless, the enemy has already got a foothold, but our God what did he do when he talked about the things that we're going to talk about today? He said in John 14, verse 27, look what it says. It says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. A little later in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things. He's talking about the end times. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I've skipped the part that I wanted to hit. So that you may have, everyone say it with me, peace, peace. As we study the end times, we're going to look at a type of literature that we don't talk about a lot here at the Gateway Church. It's biblical prophecy. And it was interesting as I started to study and really started the, over the last month and a half or so really focusing my attention here because I had a month off of preaching, 
Uh, prophecy makes up about one-fourth of the Bible. Now, it's not all end-time prophecy, but it, the, the prophetic in the Bible, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, is significant. And I just want to remind us what God's Word says about the Word in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, that all Scripture is inspired and useful for teaching. And growing. And so we're going to study some prophetic nature. And when you talk about the prophetic word of God, it belongs to God, not man. And it must be studied and carefully handled. Prophecy is not spooky, and it's not this mysterious pronouncements with understanding only for the elite. Instead, you got to know that prophecy is a gift. It's a gift for us. It's a gift for your family, and we're going to explore it. Now, my personal experience talking about prophecy or preaching through prophetic passages, um, I will say right at the beginning, I am not an expert. In fact, I have avoided uh, big sections of Scripture like Revelation or preaching through all of Daniel or different things like that. And there are some people I understand that they love it and they're saying, man, bring it on, you know, prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. There are others that will doubt it. I'm not in a doubt, but I've also said, man, you know, can I understand this? Can I share this with any uh, level of excellence? And I have been challenged that it is absolutely possible. So when I've asked myself in the past, what if I'm wrong? I, I will say, no, the Lord's going to help us in this. What if I make a mistake? Are you, and some of you are thinking, Pastor, are you nervous about preaching about the end times? Are you scared? Maybe. <laughs> Can I just be honest, right? It can be intimidating. And all I got to say is let the adventure begin, right? As I've studied, I'm convinced more and more that we can understand what is coming. When we're asked the question, is this the end, right? That's the title of our series for the next several weeks. We can have an answer. Is this the end? We can look to Mark 13 and other big passages in Scripture, and we can know what is coming. And when we get to Mark 13, the titles are Jesus Foretells, it's the signs of the age. Again, it's prophetic in nature. And as we study today and for the next few weeks, it's hope and peace and comfort that we want to be a part of our goal because knowledge will lead us to peace. Once you know and understand, it's like, oh, okay, and we'll talk about that as we end. So without further ado, turn with me to Mark chapter 13. And uh, we skipped from 8 to 13, and so you got to know about a year and a half has, has uh, elapsed, and we are now in the very final week of Jesus' life before he's crucified, nailed to a cross. For those of you that are in the church, you know that that's called the week of the passion. So we're within the passion. We're about midweek, and Jesus is very, very close to being on the cross. And with that, he's with his disciples. They're at the temple, and they're walking out of the temple, and that is where we'll pick up in verse number one. Let's look at it. It says this. It says, And he came out of the temple... And as he did, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. 
When I read that and just kind of sat on that verse for a little bit, my mind went to Chicago. How many have ever been down on the Magnificent Mile? And it's like, holy smokes, you look at these uh, structure after structure and you think, wow, what an amazing uh, feat. And I love that. And and I can imagine, but they're walking out into or out of the temple. And we look at our building here and and we think, wow, this this is great. But in that day and age, the temple, the square footage or the footprint was as large as 15 football fields. A massive structure built out of stone, laid with marble and gold. It was an incredible architectural feat. took 50 years to make. And so when they say, look at this, look at this wonderful building, That's what we can imagine in our minds. And then it says, and Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And I've got to just say, if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Can you even imagine a huge mammoth, right? And it, it, it's so, it would have been so foreign to them. And then Jesus goes on and continues. And it says, as he sat down on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, so still right there looking at it, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, so four disciples, asked Jesus privately, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Now, this story is told in Matthew and in Mark and in John, uh, in three out of the four Gospels. In Matthew's version, in verse uh, 24, verse 3, it says this, And Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, same story. The disciples came to him privately, and they asked him, and it kind of breaks down into three questions. Tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And what's the sign of the end of the age? So again, when will the temple be destroyed? And they're thinking, that's not even possible. When is Jesus coming again? And there, there seems to be a, a basic understanding of the disciples that Jesus was going to go away and then come back again, a second coming. And then when will the end of the age be? That's the end of it all. That's what the disciples are looking at. And then Jesus continues, and he says in verse number 5, so we're back to Mark. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end, this is the key, is not yet. So Jesus is answering the question. Uh, One of the questions, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom will uh, rise against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will, will deliver you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And then verse 10, I've got it in brackets in my Bible. You might want to do the same. It says, and the gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. And brother will 
will deliver brother over to death and father to his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the ones who endure to the end will be saved. Wow, there's a lot there. At this point, you can draw a line and everything that's been talked about before uh, to this point it leads to the present day 2020. So it's the past until present. And then from verse 14 on, and we'll get to that over the next several weeks, is futuristic uh, beyond the rapture. And we'll talk about that uh, as we go. And what I want you to see here is that this, this section and what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, again, uh, is going to answer the three questions that the disciples had. Again, when will the temple be destroyed? We're going to answer that today. When is Jesus coming again, and when is the end of the age? We're going to talk about things like the rapture and the tribulation. We'll talk about the Antichrist, the final judgment, the second coming of Christ, and other things. And the Lord will help us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the first uh, introductory here, the 13 verses. I pray that you would help us get our mind around this. Lord, I pray that it would be God-honoring to you, Lord, that you would uh, just illuminate our hearts to hear and to listen and to not only that, but to put it into practice. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have heard of the Eco Challenge? It's called the world's toughest race. And after 17 years, they just redid another race. It's a Mark Burnett thing, uh, Bear Grylls. How many have ever heard of that? Uh, not very many, just a, just a handful of you. Well, someone encouraged me to watch it recently. And I had watched it back 17 years prior in different seasons. But as I watched it this last uh, season, I just finished it. And I watched it by myself because no one in my family would watch it with me. And so I, I, I got through it, though. I was excited. At the beginning, they say, let the adventure begin. And Bear Grylls, and if you know who that is, he, he takes this big old uh, tarp and rips it off. And then there's a map of this 600-kilometer race over 11 days. And, I mean, it's just like it, it, they're standing there, all these participants, thinking, how in the world are we going to do this step by step? And, it, and I kind of feel like I'm at that place ripping off. The, the banner and saying, here we go, we're going to talk about the end times. Let the adventure begin. And I'm grateful that just like in the Eco Challenge race, there are resources that are trusted, and people have done it before, there are clear, powerful, uh, helpful things that we can kind of bring and glean off of. Uh, to help us through this season. And I was saying for services, the, the typical commentaries that I had been using um, through the series of Mark, when I got to Mark 13, just didn't seem adequate. And so I've expanded my uh, wings a little bit, and I've uh, added some other resources, and uh, the Lord is going to help us through this series. But as we do that, there were five things in this first 13 verses that kind of answer the question, is this the end? There, Jesus has been asked, is this the end, or when will the end come? And he answers it, and the first thing he says is that there will be destruction. Let's go. Verse 2, it says, Do you see these great buildings? He's looking at the temple. They will not be left here. There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. 
They're saying, what in the world? The temple, this magnificent temple that I described just a moment ago. And what's crazy is that within 40 years, that prediction or that prophetic word came to be. In 66 AD, if you're a historian, you can definitely look into this. The Jewish nation revolted against the strong arm of the Roman government. And Rome, they bucked up and kind of got puffed out their chest. And they came in and swept through and destroyed everything, including the temple of the Lord. And so Jesus said, when will the end come? Check off that one because it's already happened. There will be destruction. The second thing that Jesus describes is that there will be deception. So not only destruction, but deception. Look at it, verse number 6. It says, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and he will lead many astray. There will be special messengers, people that are false prophets saying, hey, this is the way to heaven. Certainly the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and the Moonies and the Hare Krishnas and many others would fit into that category. You say, I've never even heard of that. Or are those even real? Yes, they are. A few years back, I was at National uh, General Council in Washington, D.C., and we're going down, uh, headed to one of our sessions, and there was a whole group of Hare Krishna that were dancing in togas, and, and it was the wildest, wildest thing. When I think about this verse about deception, I think about not only people saying, I'm coming in my name, but there will be date setters, right? People, there's a verse that says, no one knows the day or the hour, not even Jesus, but there will be date setters. My mind went back to 1988. How many remember a guy by the name of Edgar Weinzart, right? Well, he wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Going to Return in 1988. In fact, he narrowed it down to two days, either September 11th or September 13th, if I remember right. And he gave out 300,000 copies to pastors all over the world, all over the globe. And that caused a stir. 4.5 million copies were sold. And people thought, wow, this is the end. This is it. And when it didn't happen in 1988, he wrote a book called 89 Reasons. And you, you, some of you remember. And then I didn't know this. I looked it up in Wikipedia. You can look it up too. In 1993, he wrote a book about the end times. 94 and in 1997. So three more tries. And then he died in 2001. And I just thought it was interesting. He didn't come back from the dead. So he wasn't Jesus. And, um, and the rest is history. What Jesus is saying here is do not believe others in regards to what it is about the end times. Ultimately, there will be an antichrist that will come and trick the entire world. So when they're asking, what will the end look like? Well, there will be destruction, check number one. Number two, there will be deception, check number two. The third thing we see here is that there will be disaster. Look at it, verse 8, or 7 and 8. It says, And when you hear of wars and rumors of war, don't be alarmed. But the end has not yet come. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines. Now, this is one version of this story. There are other portions that we will study over the next few weeks that are much more descriptive than that, and, and, uh, but we won't take the time today. But let's just talk about wars, since it talks about wars. We're talking big wars. People are going to die. World War I, at the end of World War I, people were asking the question, is this the end? 
just like we are today. 20 million people died. World War II, 72 million people died. And since 1985, I didn't know this, but 500,000 people on average every single year die in a war. The history of wars has escalated. And the frequency and the destruction gets larger and larger. And I'm not a historian, but this was interesting to me. A thousand years after Jesus rose or died, rose and went to heaven, that first 1,000 years, there were 50 wars. The next 500 years uh, after that, there were 100 wars. Then the next 300 years, there were 250 wars. So it increased. And from that point until present, nearly 250, uh, nearly 600, I got two, I, I think I messed up. It's nearly 600 wars in that period Oh, 250 years. So the last 250 plus years, nearly 600 different wars. And so again, they're increasing in frequency and intensity and destruction. What about earthquakes? It's no surprise. Uh, scientists say that there are 500,000 earthquakes a year. And about 100,000 are felt. So about one in five. I'm curious, how many of you have ever felt an earthquake? Yeah, I have too. Uh, I think two different times, one in Detroit and one here um, on the lakeshore. We are on shaky ground. Then the verse here says about famines. There have been about 2,000 2, famines since Jesus walked on the earth, increasingly, frequently, and destructively. And some of you might think, well, we're safe. We're living in West Michigan, or we live in the United States. And, well, listen, there are conspiracy and theories in regards to a potential famines even in our culture and in our uh, where we live and I went down a rabbit hole for about three hours one day studying this and it is mind-blowing and uh, we're not going to take the time to discuss but there are a lot of things that within with within our lifetime famine and uh, exhaustion of food is a real concern and it's described in verse 8 like birth pains. And in all of these situations, there's an increasing of frequency and intensity. I was in the labor room with both of my kids being born, Reagan and Logan. And uh, if, you, if you can imagine, and families that are watching, you're going to have some explaining to do. But contractions for a woman in labor, they increase in frequency and in intensity until the baby is born. So, is this the end? When will the end be? Well, it says that there will be destruction, deception, and disaster. Check, check, check. There's a fourth thing. There will be distress. Look at verse 9. It says, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and will be, you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness. The gospel must be proclaimed to all the nations. Then it says, when, And when you are brought before trial and delivered you over, do not be anxious for what to say, but the Holy Spirit will be speaking through you. And then look at verse 12. It says, And brother will deliver brother over to death. This is siblings killing each other. Father killing a child. A child rising up against parents and putting them to death. This sounds horrible. And you'll be hated for all of my name's sake. 
This is a horrible picture. What's the Holy Spirit saying here? What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, it is going to be hard. There will be distress. And when it comes to the persecution of believers, the intensity today is nothing like what we read in the rest of the New Testament. That would be mild compared to what the New Testament believers faced. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, in the last 120 years, so since 1900 to 2020, more people have died and have been martyred than any other previous years combined. Again, frequency, intensity, it's here. It's promised and it will increase. 80% of all religious discrimination is against Christians worldwide. That's what uh, one uh, source said. And the world will make fun of you if you are a believer. And w the world and people around you will kill us, our family, coworkers, government officials. You say, is it the end? Will there be distress? When you look across the globe, and the way people are suffering for the name of Jesus, check again. That's four checks. Is this the end? The last thing is that there's a declaration. And by the way, all these things were D's, and I'm not that smart. Um, and so this is from a trusted resource uh, that was really helpful. Uh, and so there's a declaration. And we, before we get there, you might be thinking, well, why in the world hasn't Jesus come back then, right? Like, come, Jesus, right? And the answer is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some might understand slowness. Instead, Get this, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And the answer to that question is, why hasn't Jesus come back? It's because of you and your friends. The Lord is waiting for you. But there's a declaration in the first 13 verses here, a, a sign of when Jesus will return, and it's in verse number 10. Look what it says. It says here, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. So the fact that the, we are still here and Jesus has not returned, it means that we're closer than any other generation uh, that has ever lived before us. And this verse is the, arguably the only sign that needs to be fulfilled, although there are some that say anytime Jesus could come back. And certainly, according to Scripture, I think that's a safe, uh, safe bet. One of our missionaries that we support, they are with Wycliffe Translators. And uh, two years ago, in 2018, the head of Wycliffe, they were, uh, they were uh, talking and talking about the potential to get the Word of God in every language, every tribe, to the ends of the earth. They were asked, how long? What is the projection to be able to see that happen? And they estimated two years ago that by 2025 that they would have God's Word in every language, even in languages that aren't written, will be written and be available. Is the end near? Absolutely. The truth of the matter is that Jesus is coming. When we ask the question, is this the end? The answer is yes. The end is near. We are living in the end times. Jesus 
is coming soon. A little earlier this year, when my daughter was forced to come home from Minneapolis because of coronavirus, early on within that first month, I remember talking with Reagan, and she asked me straight up, are we living in the end times? Are these the end days, Dad? And I answered her back then. I said, no, these are not the end times. And part of the reason I answered that is because I've heard all my life, just like some of you who've grown up in church, you've heard that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. It could happen any time in the twinkling of the eye. And so, and, and even my, I think of my grandma who passed a few years back, who was a godly saint. She would say she really expected that the Lord would return before she would pass. And then that didn't happen. And I even talked to my grandpa when I do, my grandpa Vey in Detroit. Uh, every single time, I cannot, I don't think without exception, he's always saying, Ben, the Lord is returning. Uh, it, we're in the end times. We're in the last days. And so I've heard this over and over. And so when Reagan asked me, are these the end times or is this the end, end of the days? I think part of me, I wanted to protect her and I didn't want to scare her. She was already uh, experiencing some fear around corona. But I've realized that the days we're living in, and as I dove into these verses, that we are absolutely in the end times. These are the end days. And I've had, Jessica and I were talking about it earlier this week, and she reminded me of that. But instead of fear... I want us to really understand that when you get knowledge and understand Scripture, there's a peace, a comfort that comes. Knowledge leads to peace. And there's a confidence in Holy Scripture, right? That when we understand what Scripture says, there's a confidence not only in the Word of God, but in God Himself. And that grows as we understand what it says. So what is to be expected at the end of the age? Well, Jesus, he describes it. There will be destruction. Certainly, we've seen that. Deception, check. Disaster, check. Distress, check. And then there's this declaration that the Word of God has to be preached to the ends of the earth. And that literally could happen at any moment, and the Lord could return. And we're going to talk about the rapture next week, take the whole uh, message on that. But the big question for me is, why would Jesus talk about this? Why would he give the clues to the disciples and the clues to us? And really, my heart came to two questions. And these are two questions. You don't have to answer them both. You only have to answer one of these questions. And for those of you that are Christ followers, you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior... Uh, whether you're online and at home with your families, if you believe in Jesus, you are a Christian. If you are a Christ follower, the first question is for you, and this is it, who are you telling about Jesus? Because the truth of God's Word says that Jesus will return in the twinkling of the eye like a thief in the night, right? At any moment. And the truth is, is that Jesus wants to be found. God wants to be found 
by you and your friends and your family and your co-workers and even your worst enemy. God wants you to know His plan. He's laid it out. And yes, there are mysteries in the earth. Like where did that extra sock go? Or why did women before corona always go to the bathroom together? I mean, we just don't know. But when it comes to God's Word, His written Word in regards to the end times, it's really not that mysterious. It's crystal clear. This is what the Word says. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 45, it says this, I have not spoken in secret. That's what the Lord said. I have not said, seek me in vain. And then the Lord says, I, the Lord, speak truth. I declare what is right. God wants to be found. He wants to be known. And He uses us. Those of us that have found Jesus, we must ask the question, who are you telling about Jesus? And I really thought when I was preparing earlier this week that I would jump off the stage at this point and come right into your face and say, who have you told about Jesus recently? Who have you told about Jesus? Who have you told about Jesus? And then Pastor Bobby and I, we talked about it. our camera doesn't really work that great. It's not that, uh, we're not, we don't have that ability yet. And plus, I don't have a mask on and getting in your face uh, that might not be a good idea in the season. But seriously, I, I wish. I would come and just, who have you told about Jesus? Who have you told? And the sad truth is that many of us are dormant in regards to telling others about the truth that Jesus is coming again. And so believers, this question is for you. Who are you telling about Jesus? You have a responsibility, a privilege, a duty to share the good news, to reach one more. But there's a second question that is interesting as we study the end times. It's for those that maybe have walked away. Maybe those that have never believed or maybe you're online for the first time, or maybe you're here for the first time, and, and you're saying, boy, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, the truth is Jesus is coming back, and it's called the rapture, and then there will be a final judgment. So there's two parts. We'll talk about that. And the final judgment is horrific. You don't want to be left for that. In fact, but the question you've got to ask is, are you ready if and when Jesus comes, when he returns? That's a huge question. Are you ready? In fact, if you read Mark chapter 13, which I encourage you to do this week, there are eight different times that in Mark that it, there's a warning. It says, see to it that no one leads you astray. Be on your guard. Uh, it, he says, it's like birth pains. He says, be on your guard. Don't believe. Over and over in here. At the end, be on your guard. Keep awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. Again, over and over again, Jesus is saying, be ready. And if you are not ready to meet Jesus in the air or by the grave, today could be your day. And we at the Gateway Church, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation that Scripture talks about, that if you confess your sins, 
Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That means that no matter what you've done wrong, no matter how bad you've been, uh, no matter where you've been, whatever you've said, it can be forgiven. And the Bible says that Jesus takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That is incredible. It's a gift of salvation. And it, when we talk about the end times, it's got to bring us to that point saying, boy, am I ready? Am I ready? And if you're here today and you don't know with certainty if the Lord were to return or if the Lord were to take you by the way of the grave, if you didn't know Jesus and you wouldn't spend an eternity with him, today's your day. Let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this morning, this afternoon at this point, where you, through prophetic warning, are giving us confidence to not only share the good news, but to respond for those that have never responded or maybe have walked away from the faith. Lord, I pray for a peace and a comfort to be seen through this series. Lord, that you would do a great and mighty work in and through us. Let the adventure begin. And Lord, even though it's a long journey, like the Eco Challenge, over a, long, a lot of days, I pray that you would lead us and guide us. And for those right now that don't know Jesus, I just want to encourage you right where you are, Lord, that the Lord says if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you cleanse you of all righteous, unrighteousness. The Lord wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. And if you're here, if you're watching online, or if you're in the overflow room, and you don't know Jesus, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. I confess my sin, that I've done things, I've said things, I've gone places that have not been pleasing. I've sinned. But you, Jesus, have made a way. And today I put my faith in you. Lord, I pray, help me to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, agreed in prayer, saying, man, that was my prayer, I just want to encourage you, make yourself known. In just a moment here, we're going to dismiss, and we'll dismiss from the back to the front, so be patient with us, and uh, that'll be good. But if you made that decision, I want you to make yourself known. Meet us at the Connection Center. Also, if you're here for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, make sure we know you're here. We want to get to, to track with you, and uh, you can stop at the Connection Center for that as well. And we won't keep you long, but we want to have that relationship. Um, let's go ahead and stand, and uh, let's just, uh, I'm going to pray a closing prayer. And we often use this terminology when we, when we do a message on missions, that when we leave and we walk out of these doors, we are now entering the mission field. 
Can we go ahead and put up that first question for believers and just believing that the majority here probably already have a walk with the Lord? My, this, I want to be etched into your mind this week. Who are you telling about Jesus? When there's going to be certainly discussion about the end times in your, around your table at home, uh, don't let it just stay there. Bring others into the question or into the conversation and let the Lord use you. And uh, I just pray that the Lord is going to use this question uh, over the next several weeks and uh, it's going to make a huge, significant change in your life and in our church. And uh, I just believe that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. And Lord, as we leave today, we do understand that we're entering a mission field. Wherever we rub shoulders with others, help us to not only understand our own depravity and our own need for you, but also to welcome others, friends, family, co-workers, uh, even our neighbors and even our enemies, those that we don't really care for. Help us to be thinking of others, to let them know about your great plan of salvation. Lord, we pray this. We give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.